Welcome to the Big Screen Symposium podcast. This session is from the Big Screen Symposium held in Auckland on the 4th and 5th of December 2020. In this masterclass, screenwriter Sophie Henderson explores how to build a story with empathy that connects with its audience. She argues for character authenticity over likability and talks about putting your whole self into your script. This session is presented by Department of Post. Sophie is introduced by actor and director Lucy Wigmore. Kia ora again, it's Fano. Thank you for coming to this session, which is a script writing masterclass thick and thin with Sophie Henderson. Please welcome your host for this session, Lucy Wigmore. <laughs> Thanks, Lucy. Paula. Hello, everybody. Kia ora koutou. Um, my name is Lucy Wigmore, and I am very pleased to be introducing Sophie Henderson today. Um, to all the other actor, writer, parents out there, uh, like me, she is a massive inspiration. I think the way that she manages to juggle all these different things is incredible. She's an incredibly talented, determined, and hardworking screenwriter, theatre maker, and actor. But also, she does all of this while raising two young children. She has used her acting nous to write characters who are complex, surprising, and believable, particularly her female characters. Her first screenplay, Fantail, in which she also starred, won over audiences at home and overseas. Fantail premiered at the Rotterdam Film Festival in 2014 and picked up a People's Choice Award at Melbourne International Film Festival that same year. Her latest film, Baby Done, with Taika, and, uh, Taika Waititi and Carthew Neal's uh, company, Picky Films, produced by Morgan Wadu, was released this year to rave reviews the spin-off said, the screenplay sits comfortably among a group of beautifully weighted comedies penned by women from the past decade about the crossroads of freedom and motherhood, a tribute to bold women who still get to be flawed and frightened. Plus, it was really funny. <laughs> Baby Dunn had a successful cinema run in New Zealand this year and is soon to be released internationally. Sophie also wrote the screenplay for Gayson Tavart's uh, upcoming debut feature, The Just... Justice of Bunny King, which stars Thomason McKenzie and Essie Davis and is to be released in 2021. So there will be time for questions at the end, but Sophie has prepared some uh, fascinating uh, thoughts on writing. So please welcome the wonderful Sophie Henderson. Thank you. Hello. Auditorium. <laughs> Interior, ASB Waterfront Theatre Auditorium. Day. The writer speaks. The writer has shaky hands and shaky voice. Oh, it's not too bad. It's okay. <laughs> the writer said yes to doing this masterclass, not because she is a master. She has not even done 10,000 hours. She is here because the idea of sitting in front of you as if she definitely knows the rough magic it takes to write a screenplay terrifies her. This is the sign that the writer should do it. Cut to two. <clears throat> Hello. <laughs> Before I was a writer, I was an actor. I am from the theatre. I should love being on the stage. Like, this is home for me. And people think... Uh, actors should never be nervous, they shouldn't get stage fright. 
Um, but I would, you know, they expect you to easily be able to do a wedding speech or a film Q&A or just a full masterclass, no problem, no sweat. Um, but I would rather play a character in the nude on the stage, dimly lit, like tastefully done, uh, reciting lines than talk to you as myself. So obviously I wrote like a full script today and I'm just going to pretend like I'm coming up with absolute gold up the top of my head. But I've actually just got a full final draft doc in front of me. That's um, a familiar and comforting format. It's very heavy dialogue and all the characters are called Sophie, which is weird. <laughs> I'm telling you all of this um, not to make myself feel better or to make you feel bad that you chose the wrong talk, but because I'm trying to be okay with being real vulnerable. RIP fake confidence, RIP pretend ego. Because I reckon, and this is, it's a big call, but I think I'm pretty sure uh, that your vulnerability is the key to your writing. Putting your own thoughts and words and ideas out there into the world is scary. You have to be in a vulnerable place, I think, to be able to have something to say, something new. I think vulnerability is essential for successful working relationships in the film industry. It's how you create empathetic characters that people connect with. It's how you can make an audience laugh or cry. And being hard out vulnerable is uncomfortable and is not very New Zealandy. But I think as writers, we have to be sweet with discomfort and just sit in it. Yuck. Like, ugh. discomfort is like dripping off me right now. <laughs> um, mostly because I'm not off book. Uh, I get this feeling, this feeling in my body all the time, all the time. I'm so used to it. I feel like this uh, when I get feedback on a script that blows the whole thing up. It's the feeling I get when I'm close to breaking through emotionally with a character because it's revealing too much of myself to myself. It's the feeling I have when I realize I know nothing about anything and that every project, I'm going to feel this way and it's never going to get easier. And I'm also trying to demonstrate to you telling the truth because that's kind of my job as a writer. So if I practice being overly truthful as a person, then maybe I will be a better writer. So buckle up because I got nothing to hide. <sighs> I have what I fondly call a disgusting skin disease. Uh, it's actually just a skin condition. It can be very mild, but mine is unmild. Uh, it's called psoriasis, and uh, my skin got so bad last year when I was making a film and having a baby uh, that I couldn't regulate my own temperature. So now I just jab myself in the leg every fortnight to suppress my overactive immune system. And my problem is that my body produces too much skin. It's very good at just constant rewrites, my body. You can't see it because I've strate strategically worn very long pants and sleeves. Um, but my psoriasis means that I have thick and thin skin. Legitimately. <laughs> and I was so happy when I figured that out because that is what you need as a writer. You need to be able to feel everything deeply and also not take the evil notes too personally. You have to have thick enough skin to be told that your script is rubbish and to keep going so that you get better. 
and thin enough skin that you can allow your characters who live in your imagination to go there with you. I have to have thick enough skin that I can go to the mat for my characters. I have to be able to look after them because they're mine. And you need thick and thin skin as an actor too, but not literally because your weird scaly elbows are really distracting from your performance. It's okay to laugh, guys. It's all right. It's fine. <laughs> um, creativity and your craft and your boring old process is so personal, personal that all I can do is share what I know to be true for me as a writer at the moment. It's what I do. It doesn't make it right, but it's worked for me so far. So you can copy me if you want. Here's all my secrets. Secret one. You are your character. Sorry. I mean, it's you and it's also not you but it's always you. No matter who your lead character is, how they see the world, what they want and need and fear, you created them, you love them. It could be a very naughty version of you or a very good-looking version of you or you if you're in a te particularly terrible situation. Uh, it could be who you wish you were or hope you never become but are scared to turn into. And I think this is true writing genre films, comedy, even a biography of someone else. Your only way into the story, I think, is to think of your character as you. This is how I get inside a character, even the little ones who have one scene. I think be them for that moment, be on their side, justify what they're up to. Uh, I've used so much of myself and my family and my stories that I have transcended embarrassment now. There's nothing that I wouldn't put in a script. In a writer's room, I think it's helpful to be able to tell people all your secrets all your feelings, all your stories, because it's your job to bring your unique perspective and not leave anything off the table. And if you can't say it, you can write it. And I bet the stuff you don't want to say is the most interesting stuff. I do think you've got to put your whole self into this, because actually that's all you've got to offer. Uh, that's going to make you the right person to write it. There are unlimited ways to tell the same story, and you've got yours. And I think that's how you find your voice, is to not pretend to be anyone else when you write. Don't try and be too clever or too writery. Just uh, simply tell me a great story as you. And of course, you can only write about what you care about. If you don't give enough of a shit, you'll never be able to get it made. Because as boring as it is, you will need to write different versions of the same story for between two and a billion years. So you better love it. Like it better come from you. It better mean something if you're going to spend that much time with it and then convince other people to pay for it or make it or be in it. I don't think that I'm particularly talented. I think I have an ear for dialogue and a sense of story, but actually I think I get to be a screenwriter for a job because I have a ridiculous work ethic and I like solving story puzzles. I don't mind writing the same 90 minutes over and over and over. That's kind of the part I love the most. Secret two. It's controversial. I do not believe in the strong female character. I hate the strong female character. She's the worst. She's not real. She's not flawed enough. She's on a pedestal. She's doing all the right things, being a hero, and she's what those in the biz love to call likable. Except she's not likable to me. I believe we like or we love a character because of their flaws, not despite them. I would much rather my character worms their way into your heart and you're not really sure why. Like, I am proudly a weak female character myself. 
I'm a mess. I'm very indecisive. I never make my bed. And I never pull out a USB correctly. I never finish antibiotics. I dropped food down my top and I've covered it with my lanyard. And the desktop of my computer looks like this. Oh, I don't know, it's maybe the front row. I mean, call the police. There's no filing system. The layers will be making you uncomfortable, I'm sure. God, now I've lost the final draft. How am I going to get it back? There it is. Could be you. Um, I, my entire workplace sits in this computer. Um, and I'm not going to pretend that I've got it all together. Every day I have a moment of feeling like not a grown-up. I'm a mess and I want to see myself on screen. There are thousands of weak male characters. Uh, and it's everyone else's turn to be awful and pathetic and selfish and desperate if they want. You know, she should cry if she wants to cry. My emotions live about here like all the time, just all the time. Um, but... If I, I'm going to try not to cry during this talk, but if I do, maybe it'll be better or maybe just really, really sad. Definitely memorable. Uh, I'm going to play a clip. <laughs> um, thank you, Department of Post, for the clips. Top people, top facilities. Did baby done? Doing my it next says film. Here, at four weeks, our baby's the size of a poppy seed. Okay, now concentrate. What is something you think you're going to regret not doing? I regret not doing drugs. I didn't mean to skip drugs, it's just no one ever offered. Well, don't write that down. I'm not going to start now, am I? Well, or maybe just one pill of ecstasy in a, in a, in a controlled environment. Yeah, it's fine. It's on the list. Next, go. Come on. I'd like to stop doing dishes. Just eat off disposable plates. I got boring. So boring, Tim. I'm embarrassed for you right now. Just anything, anything. First thing that pops into your mind. Bah, go. Oh, the threesome with your friend Molly. No, you made me say that. Why would she, Tim? Why would she? That's... <laughs> Threesome with Molly. She's not even my hottest friend. <laughs> we had a lot of chats about Rose not being a likeable enough character in this movie. All the notes said that. And Annabelle at Film Commission, she just started. We had a big meeting with her and I told Annabelle about this note that kept coming up and that I was going to fix it, I was going to fix it. And she just stopped me and she said, I find her likeable, cross that note off. And it was the absolute best thing that ever happened to me. Um, but I did, I had people want her to be more feminine, less selfish. Could she just like touch her tummy a little bit more so we know she loves her baby? Um, and it was like, no, that is the point of the entire movie. Um, my script editor, is always pushing me to make it worse for my characters. Uh, just like hit them over the head with hard stuff that they've done to themselves. Um, don't ever let them off the hook. Like you can't look after your characters. So secret three is what is the worst thing I can do? Whenever I'm stuck, I like to write lists. Uh, and the heading is usually what is the worst thing she could do? How could she ruin everything? Uh, and then I write the most wackadoo things I can think of. I give myself permission to do bad ideas or impossible ideas or opposite ideas to what I've always wanted for the character. Um, just something that will make me feel dangerous and sick is usually the right answer. I will get a feeling that goes, 
oh no, oh no, Sophie, you cannot do that. And that is how I know that I have to do that. Um, you cannot have her almost have sex with a pregophile. Yes, I can. You cannot have her get on the plane even though she's in labour. Yes, I can. You cannot have a Pakeha girl who thinks she's Māori. You cannot have a woman who makes her own boyfriends. You can't write about someone who has a wall in her vagina. Yes, I can. Yes, I can. Yes, I can. You cannot throw a dog off a cliff and kill it. <laughs> Look, I really thought you could do that in Baby Done. Uh, turns out you can't. Uh, if you haven't seen it, there's a horrible moment on a clifftop uh, where Rose says to Matthew, you think you're going to be such a good dad, but you're not. Dads turn into their dads. And he throws a tennis ball at her. It goes off the cliff and the dog goes after the tennis ball off the cliff. And in the script, and then also in the shoot, the dog dies. And I had what I thought was a hilarious scene of them carrying the very heavy dead dog all the way along the beach. It was excruciatingly long, ruining picnics. They had the dead dog made. Uh, anyway, me and Curtis thought it was funny. It, <laughs> we were like, it's not art unless there's potential for disaster. Uh, turns out there was nothing funny about that. Uh, so this rule I have for myself does no longer apply when animals are involved. It's a very expensive lesson. We had to fly both actors back from the UK. The dog couldn't swim. Anyway, um, I'm always trying to get to the edge for my characters. And sometimes I go too far. But hopefully my instincts for authenticity and telling the truth just keep it okay. For me, the closer you can get to the limit of acceptable or the limit of this person, actually, who deserves a whole film about them, the more exciting and unique your idea will be. At the moment, I'm writing a film called Workmates, which is about the time I ran the basement theatre with my best friend, Sam Sneddon, who I was definitely not in love with. Uh, and it's based heavily on us and our real-life working relationships and how we did some very questionable things to keep the theatre open. Anyway, right from the start, we, I'm making it with a collective of people. And the rule is, we have this rule. We can suggest there is romance, but we can never go there. The relationship cannot go anywhere like that. Other characters can think they're more than friends. We'll let the audience think that. But in the end, they're not going to go there. That is a rule of the world. And then I made a list of the worst things the Sophie character could do. And I come up with, Sophie tries to be in love with Sam so he doesn't leave the theatre. Or Sophie makes Sam love her so that he doesn't leave the theatre. And I wrote it down, this is like last week. Uh, and I knew right away that what I'd been fighting against the whole time was actually what was best for the story. And I'm telling you this before I've even told anyone in my team. <laughs> um, because I'm embarrassed that I've gone there, it's not well behaved. But I think it's, it could make the story better. So I'm going to write it first and see what they think or it won't work. And you'll watch the movie and you'll go, oh, yeah, she tried that. And it's not in the movie because they hated it. Uh, but I think I like surprising myself and surprising an audience. That's probably turning into a trick. I don't know. But that's what comedy is for me. I love things that are truthful and surprising at the same time. Uh, this next clip is Baby Me and Baby Jared Ravity in Fantail seven years ago. Put the money in the bag, you bitch! Oh, sit up, down! No, no, Tanya, just do what you would do in the situation. 
Roger had a hedge putter. Makes me lock the doors when he leaves. The customers pay through there. Just pretend I'm a real life crim, okay? Now put the fucking money in the bag. Oh! Sorry. Sorry. All you should be doing is just putting the money in the bag. Just send it over. Try not to make eye contact because that only intimidates them. The perps. <sighs> we don't want to get stabbed, do we? <laughs> you know, it's good. Don't be a hero, Tanya. It's only money. So that's it. Any questions? Do you like the smell of petrol? Yes. Same. Do you want to go out with me? What? No. I've got this entertainment book. It's full of vouchers. I can get two for one deal sometimes, 25% off the entire bill. You can choose what you want to do. I'd actually never go out with you. What? Don't say never. Never. What? Stop talking like a gangster. It's not attractive. Hello? Curtis, who directed Fantel and Baby Dunn, um, he had the note that she should cook him in the nuts. I'd written a subtle version where he stops her and the scene continued, and Curtis said, no, she just do it. The rest of the scene plays out like that, which is so much better. I think you can apply the worst thing your character could do to the whole story, i.e. whack her brother over the head with a hammer, but also just to any scene as well or to any moment. I like to be unpredictable for an audience. I like pushing them so that they're actively engaged. I can feel in my scripts when I was too conservative or too safe or too neat. Secret four is my relationship is with the audience. I guess as a writer, it is also, I would say my relationship is with the reader as well. But because I am from the theatre uh, and I spent most of my 20s on the stage, I have a deep appreciation for who my audience is, for the conversation that happens between us, for the leap they have to take to believe. Like, theatre is usually awful. Like, it lets me down all the time. Um, but sometimes it's magic. Sometimes it's just magic for 30 seconds and there's nothing better. Like, this shared experience we're having right now is only happening once. Thank God. <laughs> um, don't think I, that... This isn't about the people who watch your film. Like, surely they're why we do it. I am only in it for the applause. Sometimes it helps me to think of my audience as just one person, usually my friend Ella, and I wonder if she will find this funny or sad or romantic or silly enough. Theatre taught me about rewriting. Some of the first shows I did were devised, which means written together as a group, 
in a rehearsal room on the floor. We'd just improv and write it down. And because we owned the material, we would always be rewriting every night, sharpening moments, making cuts, completely reordering, always trying, trying for it to be better. And devising is just writing with other people out loud. And when you get to do a play for a whole month, seven times a week, you get to play with an audience. You can test out comedy. You're told right away whether something's funny. Um, and so your timing gets awesome. And you can feel when they're moved by how silent they are. You can hear that they are sitting forward in their seats, not breathing. As a writer, you cannot really trick an audience into loving a character or having empathy for your character. You can try, but you will fail. You can't just tell us in your big print and in your dialogue that they're great or that you should feel sorry for them. The audience is smart. They will see them for who they are, not what you are telling us they are. The actions your characters take in this story are what we're going off that will give us empathy and connections, I think. I don't really care what they say. I don't, it's what they do. I can learn a billion times more about a character by their actions than what other people say about them when they say about themselves. Um, here's an example from my, I've pulled from my own life. I don't know what this says about my character, but please go ahead and decide what you think about me. Um, I keep scissors in my car so that I can steal hydrangeas from the side of the road whenever I want. Around Christmas time, I'm driving into Titarangi at 6.30 a.m. for the free hydrangeas on the side of the road. I'm stopping on dangerous corners on Scenic Drive. And once, I drove to outside my therapist's house and stole her hydrangeas because they were the biggest I'd ever seen and they technically were inside her property. This is not a good quality that I have. Uh, I'm telling you because it makes you know me a little bit better. It tells you I'm resourceful and sneaky and that I try really hard for something I want. It might make you judge me heavily, but now you know that my what my favorite flower is and the lengths I will go to get them because I keep failing to grow them myself. Audiences love a trier. Yes, your character's got to want something, but how hard are they going for it? Try harder. Like, sure, what wouldn't they do to get it? But what would they get, do to get it? I think, and I think screenwriting is about doing as well. Your ideas are nothing until they're down on paper. I think prove you're a screenwriter by doing the work. We made Fantail for $250,000 as part of an initiative the New Zealand Film Commission had called Escalator. I'd never made anything. No short films, no TV, just theatre. And I applied because we'd missed out on funding from Creative New Zealand to make the play. And I'm non-stop, and I cope with failure by just moving on and working harder. So I applied for this emerging filmmaking scheme. I didn't know how to write a treatment uh, or a one-page outline, so I just sent in a monologue that Fantel was based on. I got the font real small so it would fit on one page. I'm like a bad person. Um, and some terrific woman uh, gave us a chance. She called me and she said, you're in the top 12, you have zero experience, you guys are the wild card. And they flew us to Wellington, we stayed in the museum hotel, we did this filmmaking boot camp, and the other people shortlisted uh, were so condescending to me and Curtis and Sarah, they would say, um, oh, we bet you're learning a lot. And we'd be like, yeah, are you? And they'd be like, no. Uh, <laughs> 
We were not a threat to them because we didn't know anything. And this was competitive. They were gonna, they were gonna give the money to four teams. And so we decided we had to work harder than anyone else if we were gonna get chosen, so we did. I wrote my first screenplay in 12 weeks based on a one-page monologue. I was teaching myself what a screenplay was at the same time as I was writing it. I was going to script to screen talks, listening to DVD commentaries, reading all the books, reading screenplays, begging people to read my work. And we handed in this script with this big application and um, they brought us in to do a pitch to a big scary panel. So being actors, me and Curtis wrote a pitch and memorized it like a script. I'd recommend doing that if you're going to do a pitch so you would get to say exactly what you want to say. Look, I'm sorry I haven't memorized this. It's, uh, this is a 50-minute monologue. Uh, so me and Curtis went into this panel and they didn't ask us to pitch. And one of the panelists accidentally told us he loved it and basically we were going to get the funding. And I had a little cry in front of them because I was so happy and so exhausted. I, I just think you've got to work as hard as you can until you're so tired you're crying into your laptop. If someone takes a chance on you, be the hardest working wildcard. Secret five, I am not a director. I don't want to be a director. People often ask me, why don't you direct? We need more women to direct. When are you going to direct something? And these were New Zealand filmmakers I admire saying this to me. It still happens. And I think, I think they're being encouraging and lovely. But actually, saying that to a writer is really undervaluing writing. Uh, and what I do. Is it, is it not enough to be a writer? Do I have to do both to be taken seriously? I think directing and writing are wildly different skills. And there's, you know, lots of show-offs who do both. But uh, they usually tell me that they're better at one than the other. And what's so bad about being just a writer? If I put my energy into learning how to direct, it would be time away from writing. And I don't want that. I would hate to spend a year directing something instead of writing my next project. Focusing on just writing makes me better faster. And I think directors are very special people. I need them to be the best at what they do. I could not do what they do. They know what actors need and where to put a camera, and the good ones know that telling the story is pretty key. But the writer is the boss of the world. Like, I can just write. And they have the world's worst threesome. <laughs> and then the director and the actors have to go and make that happen. Like, I wrote... The big print for Baby Done. There's no such thing as a three-way kiss. And then Curtis, like, I didn't think he'd actually try and do that, but he did, and he, he somehow achieved that. Um, I'm glad he did. Uh, there's nothing like seeing something you dreamed up come to life. It's the best part. You just wrote about a pregnant arborist in your bedroom in your unmade bed, and all these people worked really hard to make that come true for you. They raised the money, and they learned to climb trees, and they kept the actor safe, they made her look cool. It is such a privilege to make films. I am so lucky to do what I do, and being on set is just a tiny little part of it. No one would have a job without the director or the producer, but they also had, wouldn't have a job without you, audience of writers. Probably not, I don't know. Um, uh, so... Even though I was a writer, you were very low down in the filmmaking hierarchy, perhaps 
the very bottom on set, if you're allowed to be on set. But don't forget that your script is everyone's Bible. Like, tell the director what's important on the page. Protect your creative vision within your script. A good director will serve the story first. I don't believe in auteurs. I think all films are a shared vision. Filmmaking takes so many people, it's utterly collaborative. Auteurs are dicks. Working with a director should be like a marriage, whether you're married to them in real life or not. It should feel like it. So choose wisely. A director needs a script. An actor needs to be cast in a role. As a writer, you need nothing. Writing is the cheapest part of the filmmaking process, but that does not mean you should do it free. Know your worth. Writers Guild will tell you. Everyone else thinks they could do your job. They think it's easy. They could do it. They could just have a little go, just have a little go rewriting your script so that your film's better. Or just copy and bits, copy and paste bits from your different drafts, cobble together like a Frankenstein script. Uh, it will not work. Just because you can write an email does not make you a writer. Just because you can write notes doesn't make you a writer. Expect to be fucked over, though, as part of it. Writing a film can feel like math, secret 100. I was very bad at maths, but I strive to be very good at structure. I know everyone says that structure's everything, but God, if you can nail the movie structure, then you're away and you're free to do anything else because the reader knows that you know what you're doing. I study it so hard out that even if I wanted to forget it, I can't. I can feel it now in my bones. It's like music. Where things need to happen, where they happen, it, it goes weird. It goes weird if they don't. When I talk about structure, I'm talking about character. For me, they go hand in hand. I'm talking about the transformation of that character. I'm talking about all the decisions, all the moments that test them, and that will eventually mean they change. I don't think structure is something you can just place on top of your character. It's not outside of your character. It's coming from within the character. Um, and I keep coming back to structure whenever I'm stuck. It will make the decisions for me. And writing a film's not like a novel. The audience picks up everything so fast. They're ready for what's next, what else? Yep, got it. And I think they need to know what they're watching pretty early so they can relax, which can mean starting in the story as late as possible. I think structure is quite mathsy and problem-solving. It's like, it's like doing a Rubik's Cube. Uh, you've got to keep turning, keep turning. Change that side, ruins the other side. If you don't know what you're doing. My lockdown achievement was the Rubik's Cube. I mean, look, I wrote a new screenplay as well, like everyone else did in this room. But my greatest achievement was breaking three minutes on the Rubik's Cube. Anyone else do a Rubik's Cube? Just one person. Nobody, guys, this is going to ruin my talk later. That's okay. That's all right. <laughs> I said this morning to my family, maybe I'll just do my Rubik's Cube while I'm doing my talk. And then I tried to do that, and I can't, I can't do that. I can't talk and Rubik's at the same time. Uh, I wouldn't three minutes of complete silence, and my character has absolutely not earned that. But if you can learn <laughs> Rubik's Cube algorithms while looking after a one- and three-year-old in a global pandemic, you can learn story structure. It's way easier. And I'll let you in on this little hot tip. 
uh, there are books that just tell you how to do it. Um, you just got to read them. It's boring. Oh my God, it's so boring. But it's how you figure out where your story starts and ends, the turning points, the builds. That's what's going to pull people in, I think. It's emotionally manipulative, screenwriting. Structure is what will get them in the feelings. I think audiences know in their gut if a structure is off because we've beginning, we've had beginning, middle, and end been drilled into us since we could be read a book. Good story structures given to us when we're kids. I think going on a bear hunt is just as good a structure as Chekhov. It's perfect. I learned the most about story uh, from being in the editing room. If you get a chance to spend a chunk of time in an edit, take it. I'm very lucky to be able to come into cuts. I shouldn't feel lucky. Fuck that, I'm helpful. For some reason, no one wants writers in there. Uh, but we've got a lot to offer. We're story experts too. Like, let us in. Stop being frightened of us. What is the worst that can happen? Like, we don't have any actual power. You can just use our story brains. And if you don't like it, just don't ask us back. I will be the first to say, do you need that scene? And actually, definitely let us in if you need pickups so that we can figure out what could fix it, what's missing. It makes me a better writer uh, to learn from my mistakes when my script becomes a film. A screenplay is a blueprint for a film. It's, it's not a piece of art by itself. It's not a poem. It's never finished. It's always a working document, even in the edit. Uh, something I was taught to do in shooting scripts and I would recommend is leaving one lines that add clarity because if you don't need them, you can take them out. But if you don't shoot them, you cannot get them back. But apart from that, cut, cut, cut. If you cut ruthlessly and pick the best bits of your own script, then you don't leave it up to someone else to do it later. Cutting is so important. I will always try and shave a minute of every scene. How can I make this more economical? How can I say the same thing in one scene, one sentence, one look? It's always, it's hard. It like hurts me, but it's always better when I get it down because you've chosen the best lines and they're given a chance to shine. Secret a million. Boring old process. It's not about talent. It is about process. And it, it really doesn't get easier. The writing process is just going to hurt. It feels like walking over grass with prickles and bare feet just the whole way there. I get ideas for films Usually when I'm on holiday, at the exact moment I don't want to be working, one will fall into my head and stick around until I do something with it. Or half an idea will come to me and I will pair it with another idea that I had while I was mopping. For something to be big enough for a film, it usually needs to be, I think, two ideas smooshed together. I think one idea is not enough. Uh, or it's the idea and then the story. Or it's the idea and the angle on that idea. If you're trying to decide what idea to write next, I would write the one you know the ending for. My process for writing is this. Have a big idea. Write everything that could happen on a whiteboard. Order it. Write it as bullet points. Write it as a page. Beginning, middle, end. And then I will write 20 to 30 pages of prose until I'm happy with it and someone else tells me it's good enough to start. And then I will copy and paste my treatment into final draft, I will break it into scenes and I will tell that exact story. 
It takes me a week to write the first draft from them. Uh, maybe two weeks because I only get 20 hours of daycare. I write it really fast on purpose. I don't worry about it being wrong. You've got so many more drafts to get it right. But the story is the writing work. It's not the clever dialogue or the fancy big print. The hard work is in figuring out the story, like why and how you're telling that story and whose story it is. For me, that writing the draft is the special treat that I won't let myself do until that 20-page short story is done and I can't bear to wait any longer. The work I've done on the structure and story means that before writing the draft means that my first draft's not rubbish. And then I will start all over back at the whiteboard and I will do it all again in a big loop forever. I think screenwriting is going backwards in order to go forwards. Only once you write your ending will you know your beginning and then a new beginning will completely change where you're going. Secret five. Oh, I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay for time. Take the good and the evil notes. God, screenwriting is emotionally high. It's emotional high stakes. You really put yourself out there every time you deliver a draft. You've convinced yourself. It's, a, it's very good by the time you hand it in. It's not. It's definitely not. And so always take the note. I would suggest that when you go into a script meeting, have your pen and paper ready to show that you were prepared to receive all notes. Just pop that on the table. Just chuck that there. Just a little action to reveal character. Getting your notebook out is telling people that you care about what they're going to say and that you are here for it. Make people feel good about giving the notes. Thank them. It takes a lot to read someone's script. It is a big ask. And I'm so grateful for people who read mine, who read it over and over and over. Painful. It's painful for them probably. And it's hard to receive notes, but it's hard to give notes. So try to be grateful for notes, for the time that person has given you and your work. Even if you're going to pretend that their note isn't garbage and that they're not a fucking scumbag. Sometimes you'll get a note so mean that you can't breathe. Try not to argue with the bad notes right away. Often the note that they are giving you is over here. But actually, there's something under that note. And actually, what they're not getting is all the way over here. Unfortunately, evil notes are the ones that will make you clearer about how and why you're telling this story. They will push you to dismantle the whole thing and make it better. I know it's really hard not to take to heart. It helps to have a script editor who does notes on the notes for you and then she just tosses them over her shoulder because she hates them as well and then we just get on and do them. A note simply tells me that someone is not getting it and it is my job to make sure that they get it. Here's a hot tip. If you're in the notes meeting, don't give the bad note too much attention. Don't let anyone know you think it's a shitty note or they will get defensive and they will make sure you do their shitty note. They will remember that you didn't like their note. They'll be looking for whether you actioned it in the next draft, but they might, they might forget it if you just nod. If you want to talk, I would just talk about their notes that resonate with you, not the ones that don't. 
I would also say that notes is where you can get a feel for people's unconscious bias or just straight up bias, especially if they're not used to seeing your character on screen. The way they talk about your character can really give them away and maybe show you not to work with them because they're out of touch. Writers talk about being in development hell, but hell is when you're not in development because no one wants to develop the idea. If you're in development hell, then at least you're in development. I got to work with Jane Campion on my script, The Justice of Bunny King, which comes out next year. Just did a name drop and a movie plug in one sentence then. And she says, Jane, Jane says, um, <laughs> she says that criticism is love. Criticism is caring enough about your script that they want it to be better. Someone just telling you it's great is unhelpful. It does nothing, it's pointless. They don't care enough to make it better. Still, I do, I love a compliment sandwich, so just definitely say some nice things before and after the evil note, please. And I now know that it takes me one day to get over the notes, even the smart ones that I like. It's not about the quality of the notes. I just need, you just got to schedule in a day to think about notes. I think what makes a good writer is knowing what's good and what's bad in your own work. You need to be your own first critic. You need to be harsh on yourself because knowing when you've got something and when you've got nothing is important. I think that's actually where your talent lies. Most of writing is just swinging between thinking you're rubbish and so genius and in just nothing in between. Um, there's nothing worse than writing, but also nothing better. Except theatre. Theatre is, theatre can be a little bit better than writing. Um, I get very lonely writing. It's really big, deep work that we do. It's emotionally terrifying starting on a new project and knowing what you'll have to go through to get to the other side. I spend so much energy avoiding jumping off the cliff. But when I do, I love it. It brings me joy. Uh, the falling bit is never as bad as anticipating the leap. Oh my God, it's over. Yes. Some kind of drama skill kicked in there and I felt okay. Didn't cry. Still time to cry in the Q&A, but um, cut to not being alone on stage. Hooray, Lucy, come back. Okay. <laughs> Hooray, well done, Sophie. That was amazing. Right. No one <gasps> knows how to do the Rubik's Cube. Oh, no, I don't either. Oh, I'd be terrible at it. Um, Is Curtis here? Curtis, can you come and do it? Curtis taught me the Rubik's Cube. Really? Yeah. Secret skill. I just want, like, just the people to look at him more than me. <laughs> Come on. This is your moment to shine, Sophie. Yeah. Um, okay, so I have some questions. Now, it's please coming. do fire in some more questions if you have some. Uh, I'm just learning how to drive this, but it looks like this one's popped up to the top. How do you silence your inner critic while trying to complete a draft? God. Yeah, it's a good one. I don't know. I don't know. I. Is it about it's focus? <laughs> it's or... kind of faking. 
this extreme South Blue. Mm. You really have to, I really have to, I don't know, I put it on or something. Is it like acting? Maybe. Mm. I mean, it's both. It's both all the time. Yeah. Does it help when you're It helps to have a self-critic. Like yeah. It, like it's, I don't think you can get rid of it. Yeah, right. That it's useful in yeah. the redrafting process and mm. creating process. Yeah. Okay. Um, all right. Uh, okay. I love the idea of weak female characters. What are some of your favourite weak female characters you've seen on screen? Um, Annie from Bridesmaids. Oh, yes. Pathetic. Yes. She's yes. so pathetic. Yeah. Um, I mean, most like Judd Apatow mm -hmm. women are. Who yeah. else? Who else? Quite flawed. Very. Um, fuck. I've gone blank. That's okay. Uh, okay. You mentioned, this is kind of a practical question, right? Yes. You I've mentioned a, a great work ethic. Would you care to share weekly hours or daily word counts to help us benchmark, please? <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of a, you know. I don't have a daily work word count. Um... I literally get 20 hours a week without your kids. Without my kids. And then I work nights as well. Mm -hmm. um, when they've gone to bed? Yeah, it depends where I'm at. Like if I am like, yep, I'm going to write a draft, I would I'll make, make myself do that in a week. Yeah, right. Okay. Rather than any word count. So it's I'll kind go, of... yep, I'm going to get to the end by Friday. So how much do I have to do every day to be able to get there? Right, so it's kind of a sprint type scenario where yeah. you're like, right, I've got to achieve. Yeah, X. very task oriented. Yeah, yeah. So did do you set yourself deadlines? Yeah, and, yeah. Mm -hmm. Or I make other people set them for me. Who do you get to set your deadlines? Producers. For you? Right, they love it. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Okay. So deadlines mm -hmm. and um, keeping your eye on the prize. Okay. Um, have you worked with co have you worked with co-writers? Yes, you're working with co-writers on wall, aren't you? Uh, yeah. How does yeah. that? How does it differ from working alone? Uh, wall is different. Wall is my TV show about a woman with a wall in her vagina, mm -hmm. um, with Chelsea Preston Crawford and Michelle Saville, uh, and we storyline together. But I am writing it by myself. Okay. Um, but you can move faster with other people, and I would right. say that in a way, Curtis, co like he's. I'm not going to say he's a co-writer. He's not. <laughs> but he's someone that I will bounce ideas off with yeah. all the time. And I'm and script editor, I have to have, like, I love a script editor. So do you have the same script editor that no, you work with all the time? I'm do you work with, with a different one? Kate Lees is who I work with. Have I worked with in my last two films? Okay. She's, um, and Emily Anderson. Oh, yes. yeah. who yeah. I'm working with at the moment. Yeah. She's phenomenal. Yeah, great. Mm. How do you select your script editors? How does that process work? How do you find them and how do you... What qualities do you look for? Um, I think it's about them getting the idea. I think you can you can have a script editor you love, but then you'll work with them on this idea and it doesn't gel, it doesn't yeah, work. Right. And so it's like, oh, yeah, that's not... You're pushing it way over here and that's yeah, not okay. it. Yeah. Um, but it's recommendations. They're hard to find. Mm. Yeah, Breda McVeigh, also great. Yes. Um, and, yeah, there's a lot of writers who are good at it, but they're so busy. They don't want to do it. When do you bring your script editor into the process? Do you do that early or do you do that when you're happy with your, 
you know, when you feel like you've kind of got to a stage in your drafts where you're like, right, I need some. Yeah, it's usually closer to the end. Yeah, right. It has been. Yeah, when things are ramping up and there's suddenly some money for that. Yeah, I was going to say, um, is that when production's looming? Yeah, and it would okay. be from a, a draft usually rather than earlier than that. Yeah, right. Um, I think I need to figure out enough for myself to get yeah. to there. And so that you're sort of solid in what the idea is yourself. Yeah. Yeah, yeah okay. Um, sorry, those are my questions. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, can you talk... Oh, okay. Can you talk a little bit about what it's like working with comedians, what it's like merging your script with their comic voice? Is that what you did yeah, with Rose? Yeah, Rose yeah. was attached to this project right from the start. Like, I wrote this character for, for her. For her, didn't she you? She was yeah. called Rose for a long time. Um, and we brought her in to workshop it right from, you know, the first draft. Um, so... Uh, yeah, every word had been tested in these rehearsals over mm-hmm. the years. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we had a lot of buy-in from her because of that, and she really mm. she had spent time with this character. I think that's how you can get that specificity and and yeah, totally. And yeah, the detail you get from that workshopping process is amazing. And I think that's really borrowed from theatre that yeah. we do that with all our scripts. Do you? Mm. You do that with all your yeah, work? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And um, did that mean that when you were actually filming, things were, uh, there was a kind of a shorthand going between you and Rose and Curtis around that? Because all those, a lot of that early work was already there. That's right. And we really wanted Rose to be able to keep it fresh. So she, like, she sort of would do her own take on lines, you know, it'd be the same line, but she'd... Yeah, do right. it in a rose, rose's way and sometimes I'd be like, well, you just really got to hit this because I spent yeah. many years <laughs> on these words. This yeah. um, but she'd always improvise at before the scene and after the scene as well. Okay. Yeah. What sort of, now I'm curious, what about, um, what about how much of that ended up in the final edit? How much of the improviser around uh, and how much of your, or what, was it all kind of merging? It's very baggy improv, I would yeah. say. Yeah. Um, and improvisers like to fill silence. Yes. <laughs> so they'll be like, la, 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 la. Yeah. Uh, uh, especially in comedy. Especially in comedy. Yeah. And so you kind of, you can't, yeah, there's no gaps to feel yeah. things. They'll just kind of cover up feelings with words. Yeah. Um, but like Alice Sneddon, mm. she didn't learn a script. That's all her. It's not anything yeah, to right. do. Yeah, Yeah. I mean. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay. She would say generously that I allowed her to... Oh, she did. Yeah, she is great. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay, cool. Um, okay, it takes you about one to two weeks to write the draft. How long to nut out the story into the 20, 30 pages of prose? Oh, it just depends. Like, I will not try that until I really know I've got enough of the idea. Like, mm. it's in my head for a long time. Bubbling. Uh, yeah. I won't even attempt that until I know there's, yeah, that I know there's enough. But I, I think it's always different. It's always different mm. about months, like months and months. Yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. And I'm sending that to people and getting them to check that. And like, What, your thoughts before you've written the 20 pages? No, there's 20 pages. pages on that 20 pages yeah. you're sending out yeah. to see if there's holes in the story or the yeah. characters or yeah. whatever? Mm. Okay. 
So what's bubbling around in your head before it? Is it character-driven? Is it um, all of the structure and the plot points, all of those things all bubbling around? Do you write bits of those things down and try to... I mean, is it a yeah. case of scribbling bits and then it. kind of pulling them together into your 20, 30 pages, or is it all happening in your head? Um, or a bit of both? It's usually like a story engine that's then going to have lots of story come out of it. You right. know, that it's like a big... The big question kind of thing. With a character and then something that makes that idea unique that hasn't been done. I don't know. Yeah. You know, and then it's like I can easily brainstorm about that. Yeah, right. That's enough, you know, yeah. Okay. But again, it's always different. Okay. <laughs> and it's usually <laughs> from my own life as well. Yeah, right. Or like it starts as that and then it goes away, but. And how how does that differ? Does your does that process differ differ now that you're when we're working with other people, other writers, or is you know in terms of coming up with all of that stuff, that's where you're doing all of that together, or are you doing your? Um, no, I'm still doing that still alone. Doing that even alone, TV, right. yeah, a little bit. Okay. I mean, we have storylined in a writer's room that series, but mm. then I'm completely no. mm. yeah, it's different again and again and again. Okay. Yeah, and because, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'm not a co-writer. Oh, well, I don't know. <laughs> well, you are I don't, I don't know. Um, uh, is someone... Okay. Well, hmm. as someone who wants to just write and not direct, how do you find a director who wants to direct your stuff and not their own? Is that I don't know. If that's I don't difficult. know if that's difficult. I don't know if that's difficult. I think I a lot of was... directors are writing so they can direct. I totally agree. I am. <laughs> yeah. I think there's probably more directors than writers. So yeah. take your pick, writers. <laughs> totally. <laughs> I agree. Um... <laughs> writing... Writing mentors, how do you get them? Have you been one? How does it work? I have had an amazing writing mentor. I did Script to Screen's film up, um, and I was mentored by an amazing Australian screenwriter called Alice Bell, who um, is a showrunner and has moved to America now, making Nicole Kidman's new series. Um, I wish you. Yeah, wow. and she was so generous to me. She Skyped me every... We did 52 Tuesdays mm. of um, That's right. of uh, just chatting. And then at the end of her year's mentorship, um, she gave me a job in her uh, in her writing department. Just, how, how was that? It was amazing. Mm. I just followed her around. Like, she disguised it as script coordinator. So I did a lot of photocopying as right. well. But I just shadowed her. And sometimes she'd be like, can you just rewrite that for me? And it was so good. Right. That's so great. And um, and I think Australia has much better pathways for bringing writers up. I don't know that we're good at that here. Mm. Like, it seems like there's a very clear pathway there, uh, particular in, t in TV. So yeah. I vow to do it when I'm big time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Just takes one of us to make it and we just bring everyone else up. So yeah. Are you still Bring me with you. Yes, yeah. you. <laughs> Are you still in touch with Alice? Yeah, yeah, I yeah. am. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm going to try to get her on something with me. Yeah, Yeah, right. Oh, yeah. that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> is she still mentoring you in a way or not really? Or are you just both? 
kind of, I don't know, yeah. friends and collaborators. Um, yeah, I suppose. Like, I think I feel like I could go to if I needed to. Yeah, sure. right. Yeah. And I have, yeah. That's good. It is good. Good to have a mentor. Yeah. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, right. Okay. Uh, do you use table reads much to help you in the drafting process? Um, I will read it out loud myself with with people. Yeah. Like with Curtis, just make him do the whole script. Yeah. Um, and I've been doing some script editing for people and I will make them read their script out with me. Mm-hmm. I think it's really helpful. I think you can hear when it's not working in a way that... Mm. Like, I'll read out a document that I've written and go, oh, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it just gives you a new perspective on what it is you've... So you don't um, necessarily go through a formal table read process. You're just doing no. it all the time in your own... Yeah. I think like I think also table reads can be bad as well. Yeah. In what way? I don't know. I have had... Sometimes they just don't work as a, as a read. I don't know. Yeah, I'm a bit scared of them. Yeah, right. Mm. The baby dumb one was great. Yeah, okay. Mm. But you'd been working with Rose for quite some time before yeah, you had it, yeah, I assume. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. But when it's a... cold, it can be. Yeah. You know, the actors can be in totally different In worlds. the wrong yeah. space. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. Um, how, how has your acting background and experience affected the way that you write, do you think? I mean, does it affect yeah. the actual way that you write? I mean, or... I think so. I think I always start with character. Mm. I think as an actor, you are very good at analysing a text. Like, at drama school, you're taught, what's your objective? What are the beats? What yeah. are, You know, like, that stuff is kind of in your body because you yeah. felt that on stage. You know, you go, well, that's an action change. Mm. Um and so you know what you like as an actor. Mm. I think I'm good at writing actor bait. Like yeah, yeah. <laughs> stuff actors want to, like cool stuff actors want to do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, and do you use those kinds of actor tools with your work? Do you run things through that, I don't know, objectives and all of those sorts of things? Or is it just all I'm, happening I think it's more instinctual than that. Yeah. Um, but I, it's always helpful to go back to and go, mm. have I done that? Mm. Oh, yeah. And I think there's like there's no such thing as a small role. Like I, I really care about every single part. How do you? But, how do you? Um, that's interesting. Like the thing around fleshing out some of those smaller characters. Is that something that you try to do in on the page in your big print in the way that they? I mean, do you have a very full picture of the, all of those smaller characters? Do you yeah. cast people to fill those out? Uh, you know, how no, much of I that, think I it's, suppose, it's, is... It's casting, but I think I know... I put a lot of detail into a tiny role mm. on the page. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, and I think it's... Um, I'm always trying to subvert who that person is. Yeah, right. Um, and do yeah. you do that in your character's descriptions and stuff that then get passed to actors in the casting process? Yeah, or I, don't, do you... I don't really write those. Yeah, right. Oh, Sometimes I'm forced to. Like, yeah, mm. I know. Oh. Uh, <laughs> should, I should get it from the page. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> that's cool. Um, okay, let me just see what other questions are here. Okay, I'll just keep. Um, <laughs> what's your worst note ever? Um... <laughs> 
this isn't a script. There's no content. Something like that. Oh, This Lord. has no content. No content? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's not very practical or useful, is it? <laughs> no, not at all. Okay. Um, what advice would you give an aspiring writer who has a lot of written material but nothing produced? I would... Great to have lots of product. It's good. I just pick your favourite one and spend a lot of time on that. And, uh, or I don't know, pitch all of them. <laughs> can you repeat the question? <laughs> I want to get it right. <laughs> yes, I can. Uh, what advice would you give an aspiring writer who, are, who has a lot of written material but nothing produced? I think pick the one that is most personal to you, that um, that you feel the most about, that you're connected to, that you that reveals the most about you as a person. Mm-hmm. I think choose that one, go hard on it. Yeah, people are going to be interested in how you connect to the work mm-hmm. just as much as the work. I think mm. that's good advice. Um, Okay, how was your experience of working on The Justice of Bunny King, the writer-director marriage with Gayshorn? Really different. Yeah. Um, I was, like, very much a writer for hire on that okay. project. Because uh, you, didn't you guys connect through the script to screen through film? Was that right or no? No. Gayshorn oh, right. and Curtis worked together on... Um, they worked for exit films together, right. making ads okay. together. Okay. Uh, yeah, there was a long process. Of, there was an, an existing story that I came in and rewrote. There was a writer before me. I'd never read his screenplay. Um, yeah, it was really it was really challenging because yeah. that wasn't a story that had come from me. Yeah, right. Um, and I think, yeah, uh, yeah, it was really uh, painful. Okay. <laughs> What did you, did you have to come up with different, I don't know, techniques or tools or um, systems in order to make it work for you then? I mean, given that it wasn't a project that had come from a very personal experience yeah, of your own. I think, like, yeah, I had put my whole self into the project. Sure. Um, I think you have to. Yeah. I, um, I... I cared so much about that character that I was like, you know, whatever happened, you know, it was like me and Jack Gayson really challenged each other. Like, there was a lot of good conflict that mm. pushed that script to be better. Mm-hmm. Um, but ultimately, it was her film. Yeah, right. And it, it could never be mine, of course. Mm. Yeah. So you, yeah, right, okay. Um, were you involved with the edit and all that kind of jazz with that one, or just just the script point and then handover? It was very like it was a normal like here's yeah. your script, here's your script, off you go, bye. bye. Okay, <laughs> yeah, that must have been quite a different experience for you because your other had been yeah, much it more made me like um, it hardened me. I reckon yeah. I'm like ready for anything. <laughs> Resilience, yeah, yeah. Um, that's good. Uh, how? Did it, oh, we've got more popping up to the top here. Gosh. Um, golly, gosh. Um, okay. Anonymous. I know. Hey, that's it. I know. I'm like, oh. Uh, how involved are you? Well, this is sort of different, I imagine, on different projects, but how involved are you once your script gets picked up by producer and 
I assume this person means director, do you get a say in the production process like casting, etc.? That would depend on I the project. I think that I am good at casting. Like I have relationships with a lot of actors. actors. So that is helpful. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I definitely like squidge my way in as much as I can. I think that's yeah. why TV will be better suited to me because the writers you know, more, more involved, involved later, you know, in that creative process. Um, just traditionally, the writer is, it is not supposed to be involved beyond the script. But, yeah, the relationship with the producer, like, so much development with a producer and a director that, you know, it is, it is like a marriage. Mm. Um, yeah, I, yeah. I wish that, I wish that all writers were welcome on set and could be in the edit. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's valuable. I mean, it's potentially a valuable addition, yeah. right? As you say, mm -hmm. story expert in the room. That's right. Um, do you, with all the, you know, when you're talking about all these other smaller characters that you're writing, just thinking about this question about casting, um, are you writing those with uh, particular actors in mind? Or I know you were writing for Rose in this particular scenario, but she was one of the leads. Were you writing for any other people, like smaller characters, or... Was that just you're creating the characters and um, you'll find them later? Occasionally I did. Yeah, right. Occasionally. I was like, oh, yeah, that's this. But then that's actually fit. in the casting process, then we just changed them all around. Yeah, right. Really, so. so it's surprised. Yeah. Okay. No, I don't, I don't. I do. Yeah, I sometimes think about actors. I mm. think it like fills in or a real person, not even an yeah. actor. Yeah, like that you know. fills in an entire character. It's cheating. Yeah. yeah. But I'm like, yeah, that's my mother-in-law. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, oh, here we go. Can you talk more about those activate moments? What makes good activate on the page? Oh, actors just love having a skill. Um, <laughs> they love doing things that have to be real in the moment. Like... Um, Jared and Fantail, he scales 10 Vs in the movie. He was like, I'm doing that. Oh Definitely going to do that. Jared on 10 yeah. Vs. Uh, <laughs> at the moment, like, my script I'm writing at the moment, they, the opening scene is like they have sex in a bath of ice. I'm like, your actors are going to really suffer through having to do that. Like, they're just like, I don't know. I feel like I know how actors think. They, yeah. Mm. Anything that's like, oh, I'm going to, that's going to be a good challenge. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. it's an experience, I suppose, that you and don't have to. fun stuff, fun stuff. And also you don't have to act because it's a yeah, real right. lived experience mm. and that's exciting for actors. Um, mm -hmm. uh, okay. I think they've got, oh, shivers, we are out of oh, time. Oh, Lordy, lordy. I think. It's happened. I it's think done. that's us. Thank you. Thank you, Sophie. Thank, Thank you. Thank you, Department of Post. Um, thank you all for being here. And um, I'm amazing. now going to do my cue. Yeah, you you continue with the cue. Okay. Thank you. Enjoy the rest of the afternoon. <laughs> thank you. The Big Screen Symposium 2020 was brought to you by Script to Screen and J&A Productions. We gratefully thank our event partners, the New Zealand Film Commission, New Zealand On Air, Te Mangai Paho, Images and Sound, Screen Auckland and AUT. Voiceover is by me, La Lena Faunati, and music by Poddington Bear. 